Hello everyone, this is Aleko, and happy February to you. So, I am in the midst of recording new podcasts, writing my new book, and preparing to move to a different continent at the moment. So there's a lot on my plates, and consequently I'm having to consolidate some of this work into one big podcast, or maybe perhaps two big podcasts every month, in hope that I won't be bogging myself down too much as I learn the ropes of this new job I've been hired to, uh, this this blockchain slash artificial intelligence analysis job that I'll be doing. That being said, I, I do receive listener questions every now and again, and some of them are actually quite good. So I thought I'd take the time to record brief snippets that I'll be releasing to Instagram and Telegram in video format. And you can see the the link to those in the Linktree link in the podcast description. And I'll also be releasing them in audio format, hopefully in the future tethered to the larger podcasts. But for right now, this is just a sample of what that could sound like. So if you have any questions yourself, anything related to intelligent design, anything related to cosmology, I would love to, to try and answer. And I think difficult questions with regard to Christianity are also welcome, so we can get into the apologetics realm. The, the one that I'll be posting today more leans into Christianity, and I think those are quite fun because they help me to learn as well. So if you would like, you can send your questions to the email address cosmology.life at gmail.com, which you can find in the link tree link in the description for the podcast. Now, you can also direct message me at Instagram or even message me on Telegram. Um, again, those those links will be found in the podcast description. And just a quick tangent. Some people had mentioned the audio problems in the last episode. I do have a new microphone and I had the setting placed to the wrong dial. So for the first 15 or so minutes, a person could potentially hear me breathing into the microphone and it's not the best sound. So hopefully the process will be more refined when we get around to one of the longer book club episodes. That being said, we will be covering chapter 5 and chapter 6 of William Lane Craig's Reasonable Faith when we do our next book club. So if you're following along, I think you'll enjoy those recordings as we finally start to get into the actual evidence and out of the theories. Just as a reminder, episode 137 is up where you can find the full Pillars of Intelligent Design audiobook. If you enjoy it, I would ask that you please share it with friends because that's how the podcast grows. And if you want to help support us, you can you can buy the book on Audible or on Google Play Books, or you can just buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com forward slash ID podcast. And every little bit helps and we greatly appreciate your support. So without any further delay, I hope you enjoy this question and answer session. And again, they will be they will be attached to larger podcasts in the future. I'm trying to consolidate all of this into one sort of mega episode. All right, take care and God bless. James in Dublin writes, wasn't Christ inspired by a Greek demigod? I seem to remember hearing about this years ago. 
and having a professor explain that, beyond a doubt, the Jews repurposed the story of this Greek Superman to integrate into their own Messiah narrative. So, to answer James's question, I would say that, ironically, this point was brought up at one of our book clubs recently, because the exact same straw man argument was made by a professor of my own. So, in my book, as well as a thousand others, we will notice that the Christ is easily one of the most confirmable characters in antiquity, even beyond that of my own namesake, Alexander the Great, as well as other religious figures like Gothus of Zoroaster and Buddha, for a bevy of reasons. But for the sake of brevity, I'll just focus on this particular topic. The person in question is, of course, Apollonius of Tiana, and he is brought up in our previous book club book, Craig S. Keener's Miracles. Um, but he's also mentioned in The Case for Christ, as well as several others that I can think of. Um, Dr. Craig S. Keener notes that in the past, many scholars argued that the divine man was a composite type in antiquity with specific characteristics. So the idea is that uh, people of that time and, and possibly many others were seeking f for sort of a uh, the one character, a la the Matrix. In The Case for Christ, Dr. Gregory Boyd of Yale University makes the following statements. The Greeks claimed that Apollonius was someone from the first century around the time of Christ, uh, who was said to have healed people and have exorcised demons, who may have raised a young girl from the dead and who appeared to some of his followers after he died. People often point to that and say, well, aha, uh, if one is going to admit that the Apollonius story is legendary, why not say the same thing about the Jesus story? In the book, Dr. Boyd concedes, as many of us who attended secular universities did, that when he first heard the story of Apollonius as a college student, he was taken aback. But if you do the historical work objectively, you will find that the alleged parallels don't stand up. The first thing to note is that, according to historians, Apollonius's biographer, or rather the person who wrote about Apollonius, Philostratus, was writing a century and a half to three centuries after he supposedly lived, whereas most of what was written about Christ, namely historical documents numbering close to 5,000, were written within 10 to 60 years of when Christ walked the earth, and were penned by Jews who hated him, Romans who were indifferent, and the newly Christianized Jews who followed him, all of which noting that, love him or not, incredible things happened surrounding the Christ. To be clear, that's one document written centuries later about Apollonius versus thousands written nearly contemporaneously with the Christ. Boyd highlights this point in his discussion with Strobel, saying that another thing that we have is four Gospels corroborated with Paul, that can be cross-checked to some degree with non-biblical authors like Josephus and a torrent of others. With Apollonius, we are dealing with one source. Plus, the Gospels pass the standard tests used to assess historical reliability, but we can't say the same about the stories of Apollonius. Boyd goes on to say that Philostratus was commissioned by an empress to write a biography in order to dedicate a temple to Apollonius. She herself was a follower of Apollonius, so Philostratus would have had a financial motive to embellish the story and give the empress what she wanted. On the other hand, the writers of the gospel had nothing to gain, and very much to lose, by writing Jesus' story, and they didn't have ulterior motives such as financial gain. To boot, the way that Philostratus writes is very different than the gospels. The gospels have a confident sort of eyewitness perspective, as if there were a camera present. 
But Philostratus includes a lot of tentative statements like, it is reported that, or some say that this young girl had died, or others say she was just ill. To his credit, he backs off and treats stories like stories. And here's a big one. Philostratus was writing in the early 3rd century in Cappadocia, where Christianity had already been present for quite a while. So any borrowing would have been done by the Greeks, and not by the Christians. In conclusion, even if one were to concede the faint evidence for Apollonius, they would still be left with a mountain of evidence for the Christ.